Welcome to The Lab. What is going on, all you brainiacs out there? And welcome to the Fantasy Football Laboratory. I'm Jack McGrath, the chemist Jack McGrath, with Spitfire Lucas Parrish. Lucas, how, how is it going? Jack, it's going well. We don't have a shame today. He decided we to don't. ditch us, so we are on our own. I just bumped, I just like completely messed up that intro because Shane's not here. I was trying to do it exactly how Shane does it, and then yeah. I forgot about halfway through, and it you was should, just not going well. You should put your own spin on it. Look, you know, right now with Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all these different platforms, all except for Spotify, we got Spotify working, you know, but even then on Spotify, it's a whole new thing where you have to go refollow the page. All that stuff has has led to our episodes recently getting like five listens, you know. So if you're listening to this episode, you are truly getting almost one on one knowledge that nobody else has. This is knowledge from our minds, from the research that that we do on a regular basis into your ears. And there are only like five of you getting it right now. So definitely make sure that that you're scooping this up and, and use this stuff to your advantage. And hit us up on Twitter if you are at FF Laboratory on Twitter and follow us on TikTok to Fantasy Football Laboratory. Shane's been putting out some pretty great content out there. But let's talk about actual fantasy football. And maybe this isn't fantasy football, Lucas, but this was a storyline that we want to hit on heading in. Darren Waller has offered to work with Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow to help his tight end skills. Is Tim Tebow a legitimate fantasy option? Probably Tim not Tebow yet. tied in one. Look, I mean, step one, he has to make the, well, first off, he has to make the 90-man roster. Then he has to make the 85-man roster. Then the 80-man roster. And then the 53-man roster. So Tim Tebow's got four steps that he still has to go through. But he's still on the team right now. At this very second, Tim Tebow is part of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So who knows? Maybe he'll take Darren Waller up on that. And Waller, you know, Tebow's athletic. He might be 33, but he's still athletic. He looks big. He looks strong, right? Maybe Waller's going to teach him some of his moves, help him transition a little bit. Who knows? Who knows? Tim Tebow could be fantasy relevant come week one. I mean, we know how that tight end position is. It does not take a lot to be fantasy relevant at the tight end position. So who knows? I've been saying this all along. Tim Tebow is not going to be used as a normal tight end, right? He's going to be used similar to a Taysom Hill role. Now, he's not as fast as Taysom Hill is. He doesn't have the rushing ability that Taysom Hill does at this point in their careers. He's still got good rushing ability, though, and he's big enough where he could throw some blocks down and catch the ball. He's huge. He's huge right now. Realistically, Tim Tebow could be a guy that gets a significant portion of snaps at the tight end position for Jacksonville and some of those might come under center some of those might come out of the backfield and if he's throwing the ball a couple times a game that's more touchdown potential I don't hate that for Tim Tebow now I'm not going to draft him yet maybe in the 15th round as a joke pick and then I'll hold him on my roster for a couple of weeks <laughs> but right now I don't think we're going to draft Tim Tebow let's move on to a more serious fantasy storyline though and this is from your Kansas City Chiefs Lucas that you like to bandwagon on Nicole Hardman <laughs> is the wide receiver two yeah in Kansas City at the moment that came out today one of the top storylines of the day for fantasy football. So basically Sammy Watkins is out. He is out in Kansas city. He's no longer on the team. He moved on to Baltimore, which leaves a big gap in terms of targets and where Patrick Mahomes is going to throw the ball. Cause we know the one is Travis Kelsey. And we know the two is Tyree kill. And those can be interchangeable as a one and two, but they need a number three guy to throw to Right. And yeah. kind of where Jalair is okay out of the backfield. He'll catch some passes, but it's not like, Hopefully. he's. it's not like he's, a bird downfield. He, no, he's not. He could be the number three target, though, a passing target for Patrick Mahomes. And that leads to a point of do you really want the number four guy in any passing attack, even one led by Patrick Mahomes at any cost? No. But you know what? 
right now, Miko Hardman is not coming at a cost because he's, he's falling down draft boards. There's a lot of uncertainty with who that third target is going to be. Will that third target be Clyde? Or is it going to be one of those wide receivers, either Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, or McCole Hardman? And I definitely do think McCole Hardman, even before this report, had that edge, right? You know, he was the exciting guy, the guy the Chiefs went and drafted to replace Tyree Kill when we weren't sure if Tyree Kill was going to be in the NFL that season because of whatever scandal he was involved in at that time. And more importantly, Michael Hardman is entering what year, Jack? He is entering, I'm going to guess it's his third year. If you're, it's if you're year three. Year three. Look, year three is make it or break it for a lot of receivers in the league, a lot of positions in the league in general. But we we like a lot of third year breakouts. It happens a decent amount at the wide receiver position. We saw Calvin Ridley being the most recent benefactor of that breakout. Miko Hardman could be number two. I mean, why or, or not could be the next guy. Why not? Patrick Mahomes is throwing him the ball. It's not like he has a bad quarterback. It's all on Hardman to produce at this point. And you know what? He definitely has the speed and the athleticism to do it. He just has to put it all together. Yeah, when Sammy Watkins wasn't there last year for McCole Hardman, it's not like the stats were terrible for him. Sammy Watkins didn't play in every single week, and, and McCole Hardman didn't always step up, but he did have four games last year. Actually, yes, four, five games last year with double-digit scoring. He finished with 560 yards. Sammy Watkins had 421 yards last year. So you're not going to combine them totally, but you could be looking at a 750-yard receiver in McCole Hardman, which you don't hate in the 15th round, right? You throw that on your bench, and you're okay with that, getting a couple breakout games. I over. mean, but why not? Why couldn't you combine them? You know, I mean, you could you could potentially see if McCole Hardman really breaks out. Why can't the Chiefs have 3,000-yard receivers? Yeah, I don't hate that. I mean, there's no there's no reason that they can't. I mean, again, it's like, have we ever seen a team with 3000 yard receivers? Maybe a couple times. But you know what? Have we seen a team, an offense as good as the Chiefs in a long time? Not really. Not since the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. Obviously, they haven't been as good since that 2018 season when they had no defense. But, you know, that's not to say that it can't happen again. We've seen Patrick Mahomes do it before, so why can't there be 3,000-yard receivers on that team? I definitely think it's a possibility. And Miko Hardman could absolutely, if he really steps it up, could definitely be a huge value pick there when you're getting him in double-digit rounds. You're exactly right. And you look at Patrick Mahomes' stats. Last year, he had 4,740 yards. The year before that, just over 4,000 yards. But it was 2018 where he had over 5,000 passing yards. So, Touchdowns and passes are there to go around in a Patrick Mahomes offense. They didn't win the Super Bowl last year, so could be could be going in with an edge this year, which I don't, I don't think that's something you want to see out of the Kansas City Chiefs, any added incentive to go out and, and win. And I disagree. I think we want to see that. Absolutely. Oh, you think you think so? I do. I, I do. Well, actually, too. here, here, Jack, can I can I play a little bit of would you rather have Nicole Hardman or someone else at this stage? Let's do it. Let's hear it. All right. Would you rather have Nicole Hardman or Henry Ruggs? Henry Ruggs really I would rather have Henry Ruggs right now he's the number two in in I mean there's Darren Waller right John Brown John no don't care and then you don't care no John Brown John okay John Brown's good I could see Henry Ruggs passing him up though we saw Nelson that's true that's true deep threat last year have a career year and Nelson Aguilar was fantasy relevant more fantasy relevant than I expect Miko Hardman to be in that Chiefs offense this year. I'll, I'll go Henry Ruggs. I, I think we can see some significant improvement from him. How about Miko Hardman or either whichever Detroit receiver you like more between Quintus Cephas or Amon Ross St. Brown? Oh, yeah, no, we're taking Miko Hardman. What about Devontae Parker? That one's tougher because we've seen yeah. Parker produce in the past, and I'm still not 
in the boat that Parker's not going to produce this year. I think he still has some good good yardage totals. I could see him having over 750 very easily, and that's where I'm thinking Hardman's in that right now. So we will go with uh, Devontae Parker there. What about Mike Williams? That's tough because those are both boomer bust guys, right? I'll go Hardman yep. over Williams. All right. And then I think this one might even be the toughest. We'll end on this one, unless I'm way wrong. And, you know, sometimes I am with you. Marquise Brown. Yes, we'll go McCole Hardman. Over Hardman over really over yes. over Hollywood I'm, I'm out on Hollywood Brown I'm out on Hollywood entirely Brown. though I mean you talk about 750 yards being the barrier Hollywood Brown has reached over 750 yards I believe two seasons in his career now yeah or close to anyways but he's never had competition before right now Sammy Watkins comes in and he's competition and they draft wide receivers they drafted Rashad Bateman that's competition and I know you love Rashad Bateman too yeah realistically Hollywood Brown with both of those guys there. And he's basically the number four target now with Mark Andrews still being a top three target for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, not throwing the ball a whole lot. I mean, it it just doesn't bode well for Marquise Brown. And you look at his stats, he had 584 yards his rookie year. Last year, he did have over 750 yards. He came out at the end of the season, but that front half of the season, he, he was absolutely terrible, right? He was not fantasy relevant. I just, I can't see it happening. I don't think the volume's there. He's a big play receiver who barely gets to 750 receiving yards. I'm not buying it right now. I respect it. Look, McCall Hardman, a guy to definitely take a flyer on, but especially at this point, right, we got to see him get through training camp first, yes. which starts like, what, July 27th for the Chiefs, yes. I think. So exactly. we still got we still got a long, long ways to go. If you're taking a shot on him at this point, it's, it's I mean, at this point, if you're taking shots on these guys, you're really taking pretty blind shots still. Yes, and you're exactly right. Let's move on. Another quarterback, not Patrick Mahomes, throwing to three receivers. And that is Ben Roethlisberger. So Ben Roethlisberger, I'm I'm growing more and more weary every single day with Ben Roethlisberger, right? Because at the front of the season last year, he was insane. He was not insane, but he he was he was the team. The team was insane. The The team team was was insane. insane, And he was was doing what he needed to do. Exactly. And then at the end of the year, the team fell off, the defense fell off, and Big Ben fell off. And when that happened, the team w- was nowhere near where they were at the front of the year. I mean, I mean they, they started, started 11 and 0 and finished like 12 and four. What? Exactly. what I mean, like it was bad. So what is it? So hypothetically going into this year, how confident are you in Ben Roethlisberger? And then how confident can you possibly be in the receiving core in Look, Pittsburgh? I have zero ben confidence. Throwing to them? Zero confidence in Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, if Dwayne Haskins makes strides there for the Steelers, why could he not take over in that offense at some point? I mean, right. They went out and got him on a super low risk deal, probably just to test to see, Hey, could this be our guy of the future? Right. Cause Dwayne Haskins has a ton of talent, ton of potential. He just has to realize it. You know, Ben Roethlisberger, I've got him starting in a super flex league and I don't love it. I think he's going to be a startable quarterback this year. I think in, in super flex leagues, I think you're going to find him in the low end to mid tier QB two range, right? I think he's a guy who's going to average about 15 points a game, but he's definitely not going to be what we've seen in the past. My concern doesn't come with big Ben though, because you know, most people who are playing fantasy football don't have two quarterbacks, don't have a super flex. And so most people are not in fact going to be starting big Ben or even worried about it. My concern comes with that receiving core. You've got three guys there who are all being drafted fairly high, right? All in single-digit rounds, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson. Those two guys decently high themselves. And then Chase Claypool down probably more like round nine-ish. What are we going to do with those receivers? How is Big Ben at this stage in his career, especially if he keeps falling off, going to sustain all three of their values? 
And if he gets passed up by like a Dwayne Haskins, do we really trust him to sustain three receiver values? No, no, no. chance. So, so what are you doing about that wide receiver situation when you're drafting? I mean, at this point, you have to just hope for the best. So right now I'm looking at ADP according to Fantasy Pros, and they have overall, they have Deontay Johnson at 61. So that's about a fifth or sixth round pick yeah. in your drafts. And then the other two, Juju Smith-Schuster, he's at 74. So that's about a seventh, eighth-ish round pick. And then even below that, going down, you have to go down the board a little bit before you get to chase Claypool. And honestly, I think he's the safest pick out of the bunch right now. Yeah. I don't know if you can spend a sixth round pick on Deontay Johnson. Now, Deontay Johnson's a guy who last year was fantastic. The target numbers sustained. He started, he started off, though he did not start off fantastic. He started off bad and injured a yeah. lot. But then when he got healthy and back on the field, he ended very strongly. I remember because I made a trade for Deontay Johnson where I gave up like not very much and got Deontay Johnson. It was the only guy, the only wide receiver, the guy was willing to part with because I needed another receiver. And Johnson ended up playing extremely well for me down the stretch, but he did not start off that way. It was a risk at the time. Yeah, you're exactly right. And you look at Deontay Johnson's numbers. He had 10 games with double-digit targets last season. He had 16 targets in one game, 12 catches for 16 or 12 catches on 16 targets for over 100 yards against Jacksonville. He was consistently putting up numbers at the end of the year last year. And Deontay Johnson was a stud at the end of the season. But the question becomes, if Big Ben isn't producing, then is Deontay Johnson still going to be getting these targets with Najee Harris now in the backfield in Pittsburgh? I don't we care if he gets the target. Well, but here's the thing. I don't care if the targets are still coming his way. Is he going to get any – is there, is there going to be any depth on the target? Is it going to be – you know, every target's going to average like five yards. Like, I mean, if he gets 10 targets a game, you know, but he catches seven balls for 40 yards, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't. Are you less concerned about Deontay Johnson because he produced at the end of last year, though, while Big Ben no, wasn't playing well? I'm not because it doesn't matter because Deontay Johnson just continued to make drops. I'm with you. I'm going to not touch. I will not touch uh, Deontay Johnson in the fifth and sixth round where he's going. I might consider Juju just because I still feel Juju has the safest floor. If Big Ben's arm falls off tomorrow, Juju's going to be the guy running the underneath route, so he'll at least have a floor of certain number of receptions. But then Chase Claypool is probably who will target the most just because of his potential. But even then, Chase Claypool is a big play guy, right? Big Ben, will he be able to throw the, the big plays that you need to see out of Chase Claypool to be fantasy relevant? At the moment, we're not confident in that. Dwayne Haskins will be able to. If Dwayne Haskins is the starter, I'll actually feel pretty dang good about Chase Claypool. Not accurately, though. You're sure, but he'll be boomer bust, but you'll get some production out of him. He'll be a boomer bust flex guy. He'll be a guy who can put up, you know, 100 yards and two touchdowns or zilch because Dwayne Haskins, it'll all depend on, you know, if he can hit him. All right, let's stick with crowded receiving cores here. We're going to move on to another team that is a perennial contender, not last year, but for most years. That's the New England Patriots. So the New England Patriots receiving core is is pretty stacked with a bunch of average guys, right? You have Nelson Aguilar, you have Kendrick Bourne, you have Jacoby Myers, you have Nikhil Harry, and then you have Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith as potential targets. at the And those two tight ends are definitely above average of the tight end position. Like those are two good tight ends. Exactly. But Nikhil Harry today, or was it yesterday, in the past couple of days, came out and asked for a trade. So Nikhil Harry wants out, and I don't see why not. He could potentially be a cut candidate first off on that team. And second off, I don't see a path for targets for him. 
Now, this is a guy who a couple years ago was a second-round pick. Same same draft as A.J. Brown and same draft as D.K. Metcalf. He got picked over both of those guys. And Bill Belichick obviously saw potential. Now, what I know about Bill Belichick is he doesn't miss a whole lot, right? He's built two teams in the past, and he doesn't miss. And Nikhil Harry right now looks like a miss. He hasn't had the quarterback play, though. And with Brady, he did. Last year, though, with Cam Newton, the quarterback play wasn't there for him to catch the ball. So when Nikhil Harry is kind of a big question mark, but he asks for a trade. The question for you, Lucas, is if Nikhil Harry goes somewhere else, does he have legitimate value? And if so, which offenses does he have legitimate value in? Not many. I think no matter no matter where he goes, he's going to be stuck in a depth chart battle. And I don't and I don't have much confidence in him to win it. Right. First off, let's back up to your comment about Bill Belichick not missing a lot. Bill Belichick hasn't drafted a lot recently and yeah on the defensive side Bill Belichick tends to not miss a whole bunch but on the offensive side it's not always that way right let's look at obviously Nikhil Harry hasn't worked out Sony Michelle before him has really fallen off a cliff started off well as his rookie season tore his ACL and really hasn't been the sense same or, or the same since then and for whatever reason he just has not produced since that you know rookie season where he showed promise I mean, I don't know if you can say that Bill Belichick, you know, just because Bill Belichick drafted him, that that's a good thing. Look, Nikhil Harry was a dominant pass catcher in college. Why was he dominant? He was dominant at the point of attack, right? 50-50 balls coming his way. Nikhil Harry was coming down with it. I've talked about how I don't like that stereotype of wide receiver when I'm evaluating prospects because that is the least likely, that is the most likely type of receiver to bust. Are there going to be some who are dominant in the NFL still? Sure. That's going to happen. It always does. But the one thing you really want to see if is them creating a lot of separation in college, because that means that they can create separation or will have a better chance of creating separation at the NFL level. The more open you are at the NFL level, the better, right? If you're trying to catch 50-50 balls over those NFL cornerbacks, it's a lot harder than it is to do that at the college level. So if you're already doing it there, I'm concerned for what you can do at the next level. Nikhil Harry in college, who's a 50-50 guy? Right. He didn't create a lot of separation. He went up there. He caught 50 50 balls. That concerns me at this NFL level. And it's why I don't think he's produced a whole bunch since he's been in the league. I'm just looking at teams that could possibly use a young wide receiver. And maybe New York, the New York Jets could use a Nikhil Harry and experiment with him. Yeah. But, but what happens? He gets, he gets stuck there behind another group of middling wide receivers there. Shane would punch me if, I, if you heard me say middling. But Elijah Moore is a rookie. Denzel Mims doesn't seem to be promising. Corey Davis has a lot of potential, but never lived up to it. Jamison Crowder is good, but not great, right? I don't know if he's really a number one target on a team. Corey Davis, I don't think, is the number one target on a team. You throw Nikhil Harry in there, he's just another piece in the depth chart. What about, J- uh, or what about excuse me, Philadelphia to pair alongside Jalen Rieger and Devontae and- Smith? I think that's a good pairing because they need a deep ball guy who can go up and get it because Jalen Rieger is only 5'11", and Devontae Smith is a little bit shorter too. Yeah, no, I mean, that would definitely be a good fit alongside those guys. But again, like, does he even beat Travis Fulgham? Travis Fulgham's Maybe. produced more than Nikhil Harry in his entire career. And Travis Fulgham did it in like four games. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I just don't know if he can pass anyone up. I mean, you'd have to look somewhere like possibly the Packers, where there still is not a good number two wide receivers. They went and drafted Amari Rodgers, but he was a, you know, not not a super high round pick. And overall, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings on Amari Rodgers. I don't have a lot of leanings either way. Nikhil Harry could definitely step in there and become a number two because it's wide open. That's the if, only If he's scenario. with Aaron Rodgers and he's a number two, he's, I mean, he's a, 
10, yeah. top 10 round draft pick next year. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, it's, it's definitely, uh, but again, uh, that's a big if, because he'd have to, he'd still have to beat out those guys at this point. I don't know if Nikhil Harry can even beat out the competition on whatever team he goes to. And thus I'm not going to touch him in fantasy football drafts, no matter where he goes. Sticking with the Patriots, Jacoby Myers is another guy. I think we have to hit on really quickly because Nelson Aguilar's there. Kendrick Bourne's there. We're not expecting Jacoby Myers to hold the number one spot, but I liked what I saw from Jacoby Myers last year, right? He, he was a very good receiver. And in minicamp, he's been the number one wide receiver. Realistically, if Jacoby Myers is the number one, let's say Cam Newton's not throwing in the ball. Let's say it's Mac Jones throwing in the ball next year. Where are we drafting Jacoby Myers? Well, look, let's let's stick with Cam Newton. Top 30, 40 receiver. We can even stick with Cam Newton because I'm in the camp that Cam Newton will be better than last year. You know, to what extent, I'm not totally sure. But but I really don't think Cam. I mean, there's no way Bill Belichick paid him again if he didn't see that potential. Last year, he had no receivers. This year, he has an influx of mediocre receivers with a couple of good tight ends, but it's still better than what he had last year, right? Jacoby Myers and Cam Newton had a great connection. I mean, they really did. Jacoby Myers was relevant in that pass attack that was absolutely horrific. He was moderately fantasy relevant sometimes, right? I could see that being the case. Cam Newton's the starter. Jacoby Myers is the number one guy because of the connection that they have. I mean, there's some fantasy relevance to potentially be had there. I'd be willing to take a late round flyer on him if that starts to become apparent here, you know, in the next oh, coming weeks, months, whatever, leading up to the season. Yeah, you're looking at a guy who was wide receiver 54 last year in Jacoby Myers. Uh, he didn't score a touchdown, which I think is interesting because he, he did have yeah. 729 yards last season. Didn't get in the end zone because that Patriots offense wasn't very good. But if you're looking at PPR scoring, he only played 14 games. He was averaging 10 points a game. So he's getting double digits out of the wide receiver. That's your 10 point per game guy that we love to talk about. It wasn't anything special, but he had big games last year. He had double digit targets. I love that on my bench. Year. I love that on my bench. If you're getting into bye weeks and you can confidently put a guy in your lineup that's going to get you 10 points, that's fine with me because when you get into bye weeks, oftentimes, Jack, as you know, last year with Christian McCaffrey and Le'Veon Bell not really doing much for you, sometimes it's hard to come across those 10 point a game guys. And so just getting having one of those on your bench who you know consistently can do that. I'll take that. And if Jacoby Myers, the number one there with Cam Newton throwing him the ball, I think he could be that 10 point a game guy that, you know, you'll, you'll definitely take. And if he's the number one receiver next year, which at this point is looking like he very well has a good chance of being, and he has zero touchdowns by week six ish, seven ish. Cam Newton's not the starting quarterback either. It's Mac Jones and they're making a change and they're going to pass the ball more than they're going to run the ball. So yeah, but I don't, I don't know if I even like that more than Cam Newton. He's a rookie. I don't think he's that good. I don't know. I don't know if I think Mac Jones is an upgrade from Cam Newton. I don't know if I'll quite say he's a downgrade at this point until I see a little bit more out of Cam Newton, but I don't think he's really much of an I'll upgrade. say it. I, I can say with full certainty based on what we saw with Cam Newton last year and the numbers we saw him put up that he's not good for the receiving core in New England. And I think Mac Jones will be the best thing for that. Receiving Look, team. Mac Jones, in my mind, has big Daniel Jones vibes. And we've seen Daniel Jones be not better at throwing the ball than Cam Newton was last year. And I don't necessarily know if Mac Jones will will do that. I, I think I, I think they have there's a lot of similarities there. Right. Guys who aren't particularly athletically gifted in a lot of ways. They were not in their draft class, but they were coming in because they seemed like really smart pass or pass throwers. And that's why they were falling or the, the, the teams were falling in love with them. They didn't have a big arm. You know, they, they weren't particularly fast, particularly athletic, but they were smart and they led, you know, well, I guess 
kind of different scenarios. Mac Jones led a really good offense, whereas Daniel Jones had a lot of drops. And But either way, you know, there, there's a lot of similarities in my mind between those two. And I'm not really convinced that Mac Jones is going to come in and, and do anything too special. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Just throwing it out there for Cam Newton. He only threw for 2,657 yards last year, and that was in 15 games. So he did play a majority of the season. Didn't come close to getting 3,000 passing yards. There were games where he was under 100 passing yards because he does have a rushing floor and he ran the ball a whole lot. Uh, there were games where he had double-digit rushes, but he just wasn't throwing the ball enough to sustain value for their receivers. And Jacoby Myers was getting a large majority of, not majority, but a large portion of the targets and a large portion of the yardage that was yep. being thrown out there in New England last year. So that was a good look for him. And we're going to move on here. Running back situation, Lucas, I think this is one of the last things we're going to hit on before we sign off for the day. But Joe Mixon is a guy that we hit on a lot on this podcast. And Shane's not here to talk about it, which is a little disappointing. <laughs> but Joe Mixon has been coming up a lot recently, and he's been rising in, in draft boards. He's up to the second round in a lot of drafts. Are we taking Joe Mixon in the second round? And no. Hype just yet? No, 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 no. There has been way too much. I mean, uh, too, way too much hype around Joe Mixon. We talk about all the time how much we don't like Joe Mixon and all he continues to do is rise. I swear, Jack, I was talking with Jack about this before we started recording the episode. I think that we need to do an episode all on Joe Mixon where we do a deep dive into the numbers in the past and look toward the future and like just compare and kind of really see what Joe Mixon, the, the real, why, why is Joe Mixon being drafted in the second round? It's not because of what he's produced. If it's because of what he's done, if you're drafting Joe Mixon in the second round because of what he's done in the past, then I, I don't know what you're seeing. You must want to lose because Joe Mixon hasn't done anything in the past to be, you know, a second round pick. You're drafting him because of potential. But I think what we need to do is we need to look at what he's done with the past, what the situation was for him in the past, and now look in the future and really see, how much has the situation changed? Is he because that offensive line isn't better? It's not. No. It's uh, they didn't make any adjustments to that line that they should have. Right? They could have drafted um, the Panay Sewell in the first round, and they didn't. They went in the second round and got you know a guy from uh, Clemson whose name I can't remember, who seemed like from everything that I heard that he was a bit of a reach and that he doesn't have that high of, that high upside. Right. I, I just I don't know what they're doing with that offensive line. It's not better. I don't think he'll catch more passes. So where's the hype coming from? Well, I, that's a good question. Will he catch more passes, though? Because Giovanni Bernard is now on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this is the first year of Joe Mixon's career that he is playing without Giovanni Bernard. Giovanni Bernard is a guy who last year had 59 targets and 47 receptions in 16 games so how many targets did how many targets did joe mixon have joe mixon only played six games last year and he had 26 targets so he was averaging about four and four and a third per game where if you're looking at giovanni bernard who played all 16 now he started 10 games last year because yeah um but if you look at the year before it's not like those were inconsistent because the year before giovanni bernard only started two games and he had 43 targets here before that 48 year before that he had 60 so he's consistently getting 40 to 60 targets he's going to be in that 50 range every single year and realistically that leaves about 35 to 40 catches on the table in but is that enough for joe mixon to become a legitimate i mean if you're drafting him in the second round you're drafting him as a mid-tier to high-end rb2 Yes. Is that yeah. enough for Joe Mixon to become a mid-tier to high-end RB2 consistently week to week? Because I'm going to be honest, I don't care what his numbers are at the end of the season. If he's going to put up 30 points one week and five points the next, I don't want him. 
Yep, I'm with you on that one. We've said this before. He can't be the best running back on a championship winning team. I 100% agree with that again this year. I don't think Joe Mixon's the best running back on your team. If you can get him in the third round as the second best running back on your team when you filled out two other positions already. That's fine. Do it. There are going to be guys. There are going to be guys that I'll like more at that spot. But if you're taking him in the third round, I can understand it. I can I can definitely get behind it. If you're taking him in the second round, oh boy. No, no way. No way. There's way too many good players there that are way better than him. And if Joe Mixon does wind up with 38 more catches this year than what his average would have been in the past few years, because he still is a good pass catcher. And if he takes Giovanni Bernard's sure. catches, works more as a three down back. Realistically, that's still three points a game for Joe Mixon. Helps his floor a bit more, right? We yeah. just talk about receiving floors. Joe Mixon is still going to have a five-ish, six-ish point floor, plus his rushing ability. I'd give him a seven-point floor every single game. Now, we haven't always seen that, but... I, I'm not against putting that down for Joe Mixon as a seven-ish point floor every game, which we've never really seen before, but that could be something we see this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. He definitely, with more catches, comes a better floor, which is definitely why I can understand taking him in the third round, but it still doesn't create enough consistency to take him in the second. No, I'm with you on that one. And Lucas, any final topics you want to hit on before? I do. I want to touch on Devonte Adams falling oh, yes. in the yep in the Scott Fish Bowl that whichever one that the analysts are involved in, Devonte Adams fell to the fourth round. Jack, that's a mistake. The fourth round. I agree. I don't care if Jordan loves the starter there. It's a mistake. Well, even if it's Aaron Rodgers, right? Realistically, you're looking at a guy with a ceiling of a wide receiver one. No matter what, because he was the wide receiver one last year, which means he yep. has a ceiling of a wide receiver one by a significant margin. And yep. we saw it last year. It's not like it's just a ceiling that we're taking a shot out of the dark with. It's yeah. a ceiling that we've seen. So and there's, there's reports. Aaron Rodgers just said, you know, Aaron Rodgers still isn't saying he's not going to play. Like the chance is still there that he could absolutely play for Green Bay. Recently, when interviewed about it, he just said, we'll see, you know, like something like, I don't know, like he hasn't been not, yet. Like, if you get that in the fourth round and Aaron Rodgers plays, you're winning the league. Yeah, you're stacked. Because like, then you have already – you're already got your RB1, your RB2. Devontae Adams is no longer a first-round pick. No. But he is a second-round pick. Or a third. And if he's in the third, third round, he's a take-him-immediately pick yes. in my mind. Like, the fact that he fell to the fourth round is – but I mean, what does that mean? That means that that you're taking guys like potentially C.D. Lamb with a Devonte Adams. You could have taken Devonte Adams, and the next guy could have taken C.D. Lamb. That's ridiculous. That's that insane. Is absolutely ridiculous. Like I love C.D. Lamb, but come on, people. I mean, that's being taken in the same range as you know, uh, Justin Jefferson went before him. Yeah, Devonte Adams still needs to be taken over. Justin Jefferson. I yes. think that's one guy he definitely needs to be taken over. He still needs to be taken over Adam Thielen. He still needs to be taken over DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans. He needs to be taken over all of those guys. No doubt yeah. in my mind. He maybe he still has a he's still in the conversation of being taken over a guy like Allen Robinson or AJ Brown. Now that AJ Brown's the wide receiver two. I still offense. I still have well, AJ Brown's not the wide receiver two in the Tennessee offense. Okay, maybe he's close, but he's, no, he's just, got he's, he's got, got competition at this stage in Julio's. No, but you're right, absolutely. I still have Devonte Adams over AJ Brown. I've got Adams at five. If Jordan loves the starting quarterback, Devonte Adams is still going to get a ridiculous target share. Jordan Love can yeah. still throw the ball deep. There's a reason the Packers went and drafted him. He had a year to sit behind Aaron Rodgers. What's to say Jordan Love can't be good? And even if he's not good, Devontae Adams is going to get the target share to still be a wide receiver one, almost certainly. 
he's too good. He's too good to not be. At some point, talent wins out, and he's his talent is so off the charts that there is no way that he should be falling to the fourth round. And that is the last thing that I wanted to talk about, Jack. All right. I think that's going to do it for us here at the Fantasy Football Laboratory. We're missing Shane today. Uh, but me and Luke, me and Lucas are here still for Spitfire Lucas Parish. I'm the chemist Jeff Red. This has been the Fantasy Football Laboratory. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FF Laboratory. You can check us out online, fflaboratory.com or on TikTok, Fantasy Football Laboratory. Once again, Shane's putting out some pretty great TikTok content on a daily basis. So check that one out as well. Once again, this has been the Fantasy Football Laboratory for Spitfire Lucas Parish. I am the chemist Jack McGrath, and we will see you all next time.